Okay. What I dropped in the chat is a history of MMA, which is really good. I like it. It satisfies my love of MMA because I like people beating the shit out of each other. And my love of politics where it's like, why do people like MMA? Because MMA has now been like really narrowed down into like the lame dudes who wear affliction t-shirts and are like alt-right. But it also appeals to everybody because everybody can be disillusioned and sometimes just want to watch like one big man beat another big man into the ground with like a cool kick or a punch. <laughs> and it's like, what? You've been a fan of MMA. What is MMA? You've been a fan. I have been a fan, yeah. I like it. I bought the video game. That's how dedicated I am. Didn't it, like, start as, like, just a couple of guys? Well, UFC started with a couple of guys. And it also started with, like, the Mafia, kind of. Um, It's always been associated with, like, organized crime. It's the Fertitas. You know, there's the Fertitas that went to St. John's. There's, like, their kids went to St. John's. But there are different Fertitas. The Fertitas that went to St. John's, I think, are the ones who own Longhorn Steakhouse and the Rockets. And the ones who are in charge of the UFC are, like, casino guys. Improbably, they're both, they're all named the Fertita. I don't know if they're related. If they are, that's incredible. They're all billionaires separately. But, (laughs) like, it's pretty funny. And, like, MMA as a sport started because there were, like, all these different parts of, of like, all these different, like, fighting styles. Like, you know, karate, jiu-jitsu, Muay Thai. And some people, like, I think they were in Japan they were, and, and in Brazil were basically like, let's see who's better. And they just, like, put them in a, put them in a cube and said, like, fight. And they could just not, don't eye gouge but you can do whatever the fuck you want. And it's like wrestlers versus boxers versus random Brazilian guys. <laughs> and that's fun. Who doesn't like that? People have like distinct fighting styles in MMA. Yeah. So usually I, I kind of like the, the, the modern iteration is more of a mix where you basically have um, people usually start at one thing and then they get serviceable in other things. Some fighters are more well-rounded, um, but you they're, they're kind of like styles. Like, if you know, if you're in the video game, it's like, this guy's a boxer, or this guy's like an American wrestler. And they have to learn how to do, like, all the other stuff, like grappling, like, they have to have a ground game, they have to be able to box, they have to be able to, like, kickbox. But usually they're better at one thing, and they try to, like, force other fighters into their style. So, like, a wrestler is going to want you on the ground because he's good at wrestling, right? Which is, it's an interesting dynamic. Because it's not like any other sport that, like, I know of. Because it's especially not, like, normal boxing, where boxing, like, used to be this cultural monolith, and you had people, like, watching boxing on actual TV. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's something yeah. else entirely. Boxing but is so boring. Yeah, boxing kind of sucks now. Because you don't, it's like, nobody's it's doing so boxing. technical. But boxing's cool. Um, I think no, it's not. Because I can like kind of get behind because it's like some stuff is always happening. But so much boxing is just like points and like, yeah. like waiting, and then someone arbitrarily winning. At least in the MMA, like 
one fight every fight night someone gets KO'd and you get to be like that was fucking crazy. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's like a crap kick out. Like somebody <laughs> reliably gets like marked. But the thing the thing is that like like it's the same it's it's similar risk to playing in the NFL, but you don't like but they're not under the the like pretension that it's not bad like in the nfl like they're like oh yeah we're fine like we're wearing helmets wearing pads but people are getting fucking wrecked and they're like all getting brain damage and like the mma you see it and they're not fighting that much but they're still getting they're still getting it but that's kind of like it's out there (laughs) yeah you know and i think mma is also like less of i mean it's kind of still the working class style but like boxing i think gained a reputation for being this like like you would ascend through the ranks of society as a boxer like you'd get these like scrappy dudes who grew up in like philadelphia or like detroit and they would come in and they'd be like really good at boxing and they'd be millionaires like rocky but i don't know if i don't know if the mma actually like profits off of that as much which is interesting so, because yeah, UFC is like the biggest MMA application, right? Yeah, they're pretty much the the big one. Yeah, um, I feel like all the people who like get into UFC have like trained pretty seriously for at least a little bit of time, which is yeah. presumably pretty expensive. Oh yeah, it sucks. You don't get that much money, honestly, unless you get unless you're like one of the ones who gets a sponsorship deal. Yeah, like title fight people, right? Yeah. So there are a lot of people just like grinding out. But like again, it's that's like pretty much out in the open. I think that people realize that there are just a bunch of people who are like not very good, like or at least not very marketable for the for Tita's. Or the I think someone else owns them owns them now. Um, but in like baseball, you get the like minor league teams that no one no one really thinks about as much, and those people are living in like buses and like they're living in their cars. They're not making any money. They don't have any benefits. Yeah. It's a mess, <laughs> but it's at least it's like under the surface, so we're not like really worried about that. I'm kind of worried about it, but that's like present in music too, right? Like very similar structure that I'm bringing around. Lots of uh, there. I mean, it's not like a small number, but a decent number of musicians are like yeah, successful kind of regardless of what they produce, just because of who they are, and they're a bunch of hardworking people who are kind of like stuck where they are because of the like infinite grind but right now in like coronavirus time there's a lot of the musicians who are like (laughs) under the line like what we were talking about earlier like how to support your musicians is like a lot of people just don't have any money and like they're not touring they're not making money if they're not like selling music they're not making money yeah like unless you're chris martin times are tough martin garrix is that guy alive? I think so. <laughs> I love that my saying Chris Martin makes you say Martin Garrix. That's crazy. <laughs> Chris Martin Garrix. That's a good there. That's a good band name. <laughs> yeah, that's a good punk band name for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah. Um, I heard this cool um, PR piece about how like musicians are like turning to teaching online because 
it's like the only thing they can do to make money currently because like they're stuck at home and like you can't they're like stuck away from like the places where they can make their best music or do their normal jobs i've seen a couple of artists uh not for money but you know they've been doing like concerts like streamed from their home or things like that um and i know there are a lot of events or conferences or things taking place that have migrated online and i was wondering whether there's a space for for artists to hold concerts online or maybe like festivals online would that is that a thing that's being explored i feel like it's not like the ideal solution but maybe i think people would be willing to participate like consumers would be willing to participate in that even if the product isn't great just because of the times that we're in i wonder if that's happening do you guys know anything about that this is a dumb response to that, but uh, like around a year ago, Fortnite had a digital concert where like in the game, you had to go to a specific location and like on a stage, a virtual representation of Marshmallow performed. So like, like that's sick. I would totally. Yeah, that. it was like the largest concert, which is crazy. They also released like like part of the Star Wars movie on Fortnite. Remember? Yeah. <laughs> Like in the beginning of the new Star Wars movie, they're like the dead speak, and it was like a transmission went out, but you don't get to hear the transmission because it was in Fortnite. That's it. That's the only way to hear the transmission. Yeah, dude. Like these kinds of solutions are so cool. Like I know, like early <laughs> like on. That? No, dude. I think it's so cool. So early on, when uh, when coronavirus wasn't a pandemic, but you know, it was still like ravaging China. Um, I think there were a group of Chinese kids. I'm sure you guys read about this. There are a group of Chinese, like high school seniors, I think that, you know, their graduation was canceled and they like went on a Minecraft server and like had a virtual graduation on Minecraft or something like that. And so like the idea of making a music festival occur in Minecraft or just like, and like Fortnite or whatever other like virtual world it could happen in, dude, like, I would be super down for that. I mean, I've been playing Animal Crossing recently, by the way. Shout out shout out Noah, who got me onto Animal Crossing. Um, Send me your friend. Noah and Quinn. Quinn is, Quinn is a listener. Quinn, Quinn got me onto Animal Crossing, but Noah playing Animal Crossing was also a, a contributor. Anyway, I could imagine this happening in the Animal Crossing world. Drop the friend code. Like, that would be so, that would be so sick. Yeah. No, I agree. I think that like it, it has the potential to be like a, a great win for everyone involved. Like it would be cheaper for people who wanted to go and it could be like more of a, an easier thing for like artists to have control over, which is cool. I think, I think one of the main benefits of it would just be that it would be super memorable. Just, like not, not because, I mean, just because of the context of why it's happening. It's yeah, like, oh, I went to this crazy concert <laughs> in the Animal Crossing world because coronavirus, because I couldn't go outside of my home and because this artist couldn't go outside his home. Like that, like that would be, like, that would just be awesome. It's a crossing language. It's like the, the bells that you press to make music. It's like, oh, oh. Yeah. I think that would be crazy. I wish it, I, I totally think it could be like as good as a music experience in real life. 
there's just something missing from like digital experiences currently that I'm sure someday we'll like figure out as a species, but like something about them feels less immediate and like, I mean like volume. Yeah. I mean, I, I totally agree. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that. I mean, in a non, in a world where we're not in the state that we're in with coronavirus, I wouldn't necessarily be so excited about going to see like a concert in with in Tom Nook's Plaza. But I think like audiences would be willing to forego a lot of those. Like benefits it's of like actually seeing a concert. It's interesting you bring that up for Animal Crossing specifically because like Animal Crossing as a game is like predicated on shared event experiences because it's basically like a simulator of a very specific and easier and comforting real life. So it's like like on Christmas. I know you, what you're talking about Animal Crossing is stressful as hell. <laughs> but like. On- on Christmas, you wake up, and in real life, you get presents. And in Animal Crossing, like a I don't know, like a bear dressed up as Santa Claus shows up and gives you presents in the game. And it's like, like right now, it's Bunny Day in the game. You get eggs all over, so many eggs, <laughs> and like that's kind of like a concert, like a shared experience. And like that's the whole point of the game, really, is because otherwise it would get really boring if you didn't, if you weren't like trying to like like create your own life there you know right but like something like Fortnite, sure i believe you like yeah you get 150 people or however many people are in a Fortnite game together listening to marshmallow then that's that that's something that we remember and noah's talking about it years later (laughs) (laughs) i i think that the problem there is that like for artists who have like what 10 20 followers on twitter you're not going to get that many people tuning into your like live stream unless you have like 200,000 followers and and they're like actually invested in what you're doing. Yeah, I mean I I I don't I don't know whether it's the perfect solution and it's definitely not a long-term solution, but I think yeah, these types of things, especially when people like so many people, not everybody, but so many people are at home bored with nothing to do. Like you could have you could be like a pretty random like i would be willing to watch an online concert like something crazy going on of some artist that i hated just just because of the occasion so i think like in the same way that maybe some people might not tune in because they don't know about it a lot of people would be willing to tune in just because of the novelty what's your limit who's who's the worst the artist that you would still tune in on Fortnite to watch i need to think about artists that i don't that i really hate i don't even know <laughs> I just like tune those out. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. That's as is your weight. Not present as, at that marshmallow concert. <laughs> <laughs> I think marshmallow crossed that line for me. But see, like I totally would have. I don't even. I didn't even play Fortnite, but I, I would have downloaded Fortnite and gone to that marshmallow concert at least for like fifteen minutes. That that would. I would do that today. What have you been doing to pass the time? You sound bored. (laughs) Dude, I am bored. What have you been what have you been doing? What have you been like consuming? Uh, What do I I I mean I've been playing Animal Crossing most recently. 
How many hours have you put in? I have no idea. I mean, I've only been playing it since like last week. Yesterday, I played, I played a lot of Animal Crossing yesterday. But other than that, I, I don't, I don't think I've been playing that much. Just like doing the dailies, you know, shaking you all know the trees, no getting way. some furniture. I put in twenty-five. We're <laughs> we're getting there. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's this weekend. This weekend, I, I believe I will be playing a lot of Animal Crossing. I, you guys will be proud of me. Listen to two albums today. That's cool. Oh wow. Yeah. I listened. Uh, I listened to the new Waxahachie album and the new Thundercat album, both of which I really liked. Yeah, I'm a big. Has fan. anybody finished listening to the Purity Ring album? No. <laughs> it's okay. okay. The sad thing about that is, it's like I was talking to my brother who is currently studying music production, and. It was a fun little conversation. Is just how well produced that album is. It's like polished completely, but like past that, I've I've had a hard time finding value in Purity Ring's music. Not I, value. That's the wrong word. A draw. I haven't thought about them since middle middle school. When did that first album come out? Yeah, was like, school, like seventh grade. I think it was like eighth grade. Yeah, or maybe it was like ninth. Guys, I gotta I gotta butt in really quickly and say I just want to historicize the conversation we were having before about live concerts and online games because the game I used to play in middle school called Adventure Quest Worlds um, <laughs> had live concerts um, back then um, and I'm trying to see who played but it was like. It was people like fucking like Alice in Chains and shit. But I'm, sick. Trying, sick. I'm just trying to say uh, a little bit of history. You know, uh, for yeah. you um, that this has been happening <laughs> for like total leaders for a long time. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I'm mean, in this context, but I, I just want to, you know, float that little uh, bit of info that. You know. Yeah, here's, here's an article from um, 2007. Second Life hosts world's first virtual concert. The world's first virtual concert premieres tonight in a cyberspace concert hall packed with an audience from around the globe. The Royal Liverpool <laughs> Philharmonic Orchestra will be opening its new season in a 3D recreation recreation of the city's 70-year-old Art Deco concert hall built in Second Life. That's insane. That's Second Life is dope. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) You can you can present you can like in Second Life you could DJ like for Second Life people and like you could dance to the music in Second Life. Oh wait, do you remember that? website where it was like you could DJ and like people would come locally. That was like a no. thing. On the- oh wait, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, what that was sounds dope. It was it was like a, one of those .dot fm websites, right? Yeah, and you had like a little icon who like danced. 
<laughs> I don't want to look Another YouTube documentary to check out. I don't even know if it was on YouTube. I think it might be on Netflix. It was at some, po- some point. Is one all about Second Life and how, like, for a while, people really thought that Second Life was going to be, like, the thing and, like, everyone was going to make a Second Life account and become, like, have a Second Life on the web. And, like, there was a whole economy and people were, like, spending, like, 18 hours a day, like, selling their designs and, like, architecture, like, designing houses in Second Life. And they're making like really good money, like thousands of dollars off of this like sub economy of like real money, but within Second Life. Wait, okay, well, I I don't know what Second Life is. I, I feel like I, I I need to know before we resume. What the hell is Second Life? It's an online game. It's like a virtual world where you create like an avatar, and you you like like you're wandering around like a virtual recreation of the world they're like animal crossing meets sims yeah kind of except for it, it's not like animated like you well it's animated but you you kind of look more <laughs> like a real person yeah yeah so in the sims yeah, yeah. That's where sims comes in but it has the other like weird part of being kind of like the sims where you could and this is another part of the documentary is where you could make yourself into like different people than you actually are so that opens the door for like you know like pedophilia weird fetish stuff like not to not to kink shame but like people role-playing as like little girls in a game presenting as a like little girl in the game weird doesn't work we can definitely change that we should yeah yeah i think that 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 falls in the acceptable to shame category (laughs) thank you and also, wait, I, I, I was in a YouTube poll once, and I, it was like, I was watching this video that was like, most expensive virtual items in video games. And there's some thing called Entropia Universe, where like, it's like Second Life, but there's like virtual property in it, and like, people have spent like, upwards of like, $600,000 to like get property on Entropia and then like lease it out and then make more money. Like they were like virtual landlords. It was so weird. That's this super weird. 600000 real dollars? Yeah. Wait, this reminds me of the, the, the biggest virtual space battle ever. I was thinking about that, but I don't know the details. Just talk about it, Connor. Spaceships worth more than two hundred thousand dollars destroyed in biggest virtual space battle ever. Oh, is this Eve Online? Yeah, yeah Eve Online. Eve Online is crazy. Because, like <laughs> it, you you have to put in a crazy amount of time to get stuff in the game. So like because there's like a so weird real life correlation between time and money, in game stuff gets really expensive. Yeah, one of, one of the reasons too. One of the alliances, Nulli Secunda, forgot to pay their rent um, on a space station, and opposition forces moved in to snatch it from under their noses. And then they escalated, and it was a huge battle. I, I believe part of the reason that like things in the game sort of have real um, real life values because I think the game works on a subscription service. Like you pay a certain amount per month to play the game. Or you can pay your subscription with in-game currency. So there is like this 
one way that you can actually tr- trade basically like in-game money for real game money. So you have to do work in somehow affects the economy and then and you have things like two hundred thousand dollar losses because of virtual wars. Like, <laughs> some kind of kind of like weird capitalist desire in us to be like i'm gonna come home from work and relax by doing more work that means less to the material world but it means more to your like personal comfort i guess but i guess if you if it makes you happy (laughs) yeah i mean that's that's kind of like what uh what animal crossing is to me like animal crossing is like this weird way to be productive but, but not like at all in in another in another world and like in this other world i'm like i'm like operating on a schedule i'm like being productive i'm like making money and i'm adding value to like this other world and it's <laughs> and it and, it, and it's fulfilling it's like oh i managed to like do this thing like nice like i feel productive i mean not not in the sense that like i, I feel like a productive human it's like i feel like a productive villager but like the, the mechanics <laughs> part of the like the gameplay what you're actually doing is like you're just fucking you're just grinding dude you're just working making sure you have hard work hitting rocks that dude it's selling shit i do wish that i could sell weeds for money that'd be awesome i think you can sell weeds for money well like you can sell like a lot of money I'm confused. Oh, yeah, I thought we were talking about Animal Crossing still. No, I am. We're talking about real life. <laughs> but, like, in real life, I wish you could sell, like... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Some right, right. I, like thought that, I thought that you were talking about... <laughs> yeah, that'd be nice. I mean, I'm sure yeah. somebody buys weed. Somebody must need... Who weed. would buy that? I don't know. Like, Hopefully. don't farmers need to, like, grind up weeds? I don't know. Someone needs to grind up no. weeds. Yeah, something. Weed, weeds must have some value to some person, but like Animal Crossing, like a rabbit closes the loop. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I think you're not. Have you looked for someone to buy your weeds? I think somebody would buy your weeds if you looked hard enough. I don't really want to look. <laughs> yeah, that's another story, though. That's my fault. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What are you saying, Ben? Oh, I thought you said something. I just said nobody wants to buy weeds. Yeah. Like that's I the thing about weeds. Yeah. I um horny goat weed. I watched the movie um Mr. Smith Goes to Washington the other day. I think it's from nineteen thirty-nine um it's like it's frank capra i don't know if you guys have seen um it's a wonderful life i'd hope that you have it's a great movie but it's like incredibly kind of hokey and like sickly sweet but it works because it's like yay good story like we all feel good at the end of this like we all learned a lesson it's kind of like that but with like politics um same director same many of the same actors at least three overlap and like it has the same thing but it's like adoration of like american institutions so like the first 20 minutes 
probably 10 of it is just like walking around DC and like zooming in on like the Lincoln Memorial and like all the stuff, the Washington, the Washington Monument. And it's like, this is America. This is district DC. Like we're here. This is great values. And then like the actual Senate is just like ridiculously corrupt. And like our good boy, Jimmy Stewart comes in and is like, like, no, end the corruption. It is a 24 hour filibuster. Very fun. That's how I've been keeping myself occupied. <laughs> is it 24 hours in real time? Yeah. It'd be a long no, movie. It's, it's, a, it's, a two, it's a two hour movie. <laughs> but <laughs> it's fun. Um, but it got me thinking a lot about like, because I've been, I've been reading a few history books and it, like something that's really always interesting to me is like that kind of American myth making and how, like, how do we reconcile like what actually America does in the world with like what we say we value. Before. So got me thinking about big things. I'm making a, changing <laughs> my philosophy while on lockdown. Not having left the house for like five days. Five days, dude. I don't think I've left the house in like three weeks. <laughs> you don't even go on walks? I was I was quarantined for two of them. Okay, okay, no. I I, I guess I go outside occasionally. But I haven't left like Farber Street in actually like two weeks. I went to the grocery store once. Other than I that. Thought you're, I thought you were moving. Thought what? I thought your parents were moving. Uh, we tried to sell the house, and then it didn't sell. And then we were like, "Nah, J.K., we don't. We we're not going to sell it." <laughs> like, actually, that, that's what happened. I ever see who? Matt. Where were they trying to move? Matt. We weren't necessarily trying to move. We were just trying to sell the house, and then my dad got annoyed that nobody was buying the house, so then he stopped selling the house. Okay. Yeah, it's like, I guess that's how that works. Um, Moving no, I, that. I, don't, uh, I don't see Matt that often. I don't think he's at his house that often, but when he is, I see him. He's but I do there. see Bob Zlotnick a lot. <laughs> dude, Bob is always doing something. Yeah, dude, I always say hi. So, Bob, do you call Bob? by his name or Mr. Zlotnick? I'd say Mr. Slotnik. I could never call him Bob. I've been... Um, I don't think I could ever call anyone Bob. Me and... <laughs> <laughs> me and Noah have been playing Call of Duty with um, my roommate from college's dad a lot. Oh my god. Do you also play with your college roommate or is it just you two? Yeah, usually, usually he's in the party too. Sometimes, oh, it's, his, okay. sometimes it's also like his uncles and his brother. Um, but it's like towing the line. Like I don't know. I don't call him Mister Harita because I feel like that'd be kind of weird. I call him Tim, yeah. um, which is it's kind of fun because he just like like we he my roommate my previous roommate who I'm actually like I actually know um, left the party a couple weeks like last week and his dad stayed. <laughs> <laughs> I was I wasn't gonna be like hey you want to leave. <laughs> Yeah. But, 
So it was kind of cool. It just kind of kept kept going. <laughs> pretty good. He's pretty good. I mean, we're all adults. Yeah. I'd play like pickup soccer with like Akshay's dad or something. That'd be cool. <laughs> it was, it's super weird. It like shout out Naveen. Does something weird in his head. Yeah. Playing <laughs> video games with adults, especially video games like Call of Duty, because they feel so like childish to me. But adults play video games all the time. No, no, I know. I just like for some reason there's like that dissonance in my head that like when I am interacting with adults playing video games, it's just like doesn't quite compute. I've spoken to at least two adults at the hospital who play video games. My boss is a huge <laughs> Call of Duty fan. I found out I found out that my older brother's old boss is like the best. Like <laughs> he's like actually the world's best like pinball player or something ridiculous <laughs> like that. That's old school, dude. It's like the high the highest score on like multiple arcade games. That must have been so cool in like 1985. <laughs> I don't think it was that cool in 1985. <laughs> I think I think it's still pretty lame. I think it's like, cool. Good job. I think it's cool now. I mean, you don't get that good at that by being cool. <laughs> <laughs> but then once you get there, you're cool. I don't know. That's how it works. So it's almost like boxing. Whoa. <laughs> Dude, full circle. You know what I've also been thinking a lot about in the in the realm of like things that are that are like very niche cool is like country music. Because I, I watched like the first couple episodes of the um, Ken Burns country music documentary. It's so That's fun. Such a good documentary. What? Such a good documentary. It is, right? Yeah. It's like, it's so cool. And I, it, because I love Ken Burns, obviously. Ken Burns is the coolest guy. He's also a very small man. He's a funny guy. I saw him, I saw him in person live. He's like 20 feet away from me. Um, his documentaries rip, um, <laughs> especially like the early, the early days of country music are so fun. Cause it's like my favorite yeah. thing about that kind of history is how ridiculous people were. And like people in old country music are truly ridiculous. Like the way that they talk, the way that they act, why they were famous. And they're like, they were like all scammers. That's yeah. like my favorite part. <laughs> and like, they would not, none of them would be famous today. Like, cause, cause we don't have the like apparatus of radio or like no one would, I don't think that you could get the Grand Ole Opry like famous today. You're not going to go, we're not going to go like tune into the radio station to listen to that. No. And it's like, it's, it's such a niche thing. And it's also cool. Cause everyone was just like fucking sad all the time. Like <laughs> all of the early country music singers were like, just, it's like, Oh, here's the sad family. And they're like, we're so poor. Like here's a hymn, and like Dolly Parton, <laughs> and like there's this whole subgenre of country music songs that I've been listening to back when I used to like drive places on Willie's Roadhouse that are murder ballads, which are it's just a it's just a three or four minute song all about like murdering other people, often women, and like getting away with it. Weird. Yeah, it's really weird. And 
it's just like why why is that a thing and some of them are like old folk songs like you get them back from like like old i don't know in england like in ireland when people like were really truly very sad um <laughs> but they still made cool folk songs so it worked good i guess yeah. Murder ballad. That sounds really interesting. I'm gonna start listening to that. Gotta find it is really good. interesting. Do you, have, do you have any murder ballad do you recommend to, to me oh. and to our viewers? I mean listeners. Let's see. <laughs> um I gotta do a little little research. And do my research for it. <laughs> so good. It's really, as Connor was saying, the like specificity, like like coincidences that made music what it is, and like really foregrounded. And you know, like I remember, like a big part of it of its spread was like insurance commercials on the radio or something, and also like. Like, peddling like, like early 1900s Viagra and stuff. Like, those are like <laughs> people who like popularized country music because it like glommed onto like these like very historically specific like technologies of radio, for instance, and of like recording. Um, yeah, and yeah. especially out of the impulse to like record folk music because it like you know it was disappearing or whatever um as people were moving into the city anyway it's great documentary and it made me appreciate what, it right because because that also kind of leads into this this idea that like i feel like country music has such a bad rap now because like people people have a lot of assumptions um about it you know, like you, 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 you hear old country music and you like think one thing. You th well, you hear new country music and you say like, "Oh, like there is no history here. Like this is just this is just people singing about their trucks. It's like good music to listen to on a lake. Like I'm gonna go listen to some Zac Brown band and you know have a good time um, with the like conservatives." But kind of the it's it's like one of the few musical styles that hasn't really left america it hasn't been like exported that well i in in, in my opinion i think that like folk is everywhere country specifically is like a big it's, it's an american construction and it also ties into a lot of the like american ideas about the west and about the the kind of like wide open spaces manifest destiny um but it, it also does keep that that core in like weird like weird snake oil salesmen and stuff like that. Yeah, that's, that's true. I also but I, I sent something in the chat. Um that's the guide to African country music. Uh because I think in the early like thirties or something, uh when American companies were trying to like Establish a foothold in Africa. They like, like for some reason, country music was selected as like 
uh, like sonic form for like advertisements and stuff, and therefore like it, like as a specific genre, became something that was sort of like emulated like in specific genre constraints, like American country music, but in yeah. Africa, and especially because of like sort of similarities with like rhythm and other aspects that overlapped um it became like its own thing there interestingly enough um just a side note but yes it's really distinctly american has um, has it evolved like is there still are there still african country artists i think like, so that, that continue like whatever whatever was started in whatever the link you sent was be pretty cool. Well, it's interesting that it's also like a like a consumerist kind of thing, like like just kind of I don't know. It's been it's been around for a while, but you know, I mean, like, especially in Texas, people I think people misrepresent country music a lot as not having a background in things, and and like. Bluegrass, there's folk, there's all these different offshoots that that are like really instructive in, in understanding what it now is. And to be fair, a lot of like modern artists are kind of like just pop, but I think pop can be good too. <laughs> Hot take. Pop. Yeah. There's some great uh, pop songs. And there's some country songs that I really like too. I mean, to be honest, I think that's uh I think the the song by Rumor like his rascal by rumor the cover of the rascal flat song like that's kind of an extension of in the same way that obviously uh, what's what's this guy's name what's the what's the song old town road what's that guy's name lil, lil, nas, lil nas x yeah i mean in the same way that lil nas x like made this country song like rumor has now adapted this i believe also a country song in in his own way which is and and i and i think like personally the thing the things that i like about rumors song are not like are the country elements i i don't know how to explain why i like that song so much but when i when i heard it and then i listened to the rascal flat song i was like oh shit this rascal flat song is sick and like that's not what i thought i was gonna think <laughs> <laughs> Well, this summer after I got dumped, I listened to so much George Strait, dude. That shit is awesome. <laughs> also, Merle Haggard's really good. But those are like more country people. Yeah. I really, uh, I got turned on to this from by Connor, but I really dug Casey Musgraves' new album. That's much more modern country, obviously, but I do love that album. That was that was like a huge turning lie. point for me because like ten years ago I had the whole like oh I hate country music thing, but after I realized that wasn't like a cool personality, I like just kind of got over hating country music and was indifferent <laughs> to it. But that that Casey Musgraves album was just gorgeous and like distinctly country. Like I like it, it wasn't I couldn't like explain it away as not being country, you know. So yeah. that was a big turning point for me being interested Dude, in country. listen to willie's roadhouse if you have um xm it's dope 
it's like it's like really I don't know. It's just like it's a very like old school. Sirius XM fifty nine. It's nice if you're driving a long distance because it's like very driving music. Um where it's just like you can listen to lyrics, you don't have to listen to lyrics, kind of keeps going. <laughs> they don't talk too much, which is always nice, and when they do, it's kinda cute. Willie Nelson sometimes shows up. <laughs> um, so, very fun. I'll give it a listen. It makes good driving music good driving music. I've never thought about that. Um, I mean, it depends on your mood, but there's some music that I can't, like, I can't listen to many radio stations consistently because I get, I get either bored or, like, frustrated. Because they there's either like ads or it's just like I don't I don't really like the their selection of music like the the like XM the Sirius XM U which is like the I guess it's the independent radio station um, and the like Alt Nation they play some like boring stuff that I don't like and I hate not having a choice over it sometimes you just want to hear someone like talk at you <laughs> and you don't have to respond i like listen yeah. to emperor a lot i know but you guys ever listen to uh nts what is that it's a, this site that like gets a bunch of different artists and labels to host radio shows um no. like on the world it's really cool i'll send the link um and it it's I mean, it like you can personalize it insofar as like it's you can find an artist you like or like search if an artist you like has been played and then like go to that and listen to the show. Um, but they're like always broadcasting, and it it just seems like it has a lot more variety and like kind of like archival mm. like uh, depth or breadth than, for instance, like XM Sirius or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, that's sick. I've definitely found that, like, I think the issue that serious stations have is, like, no matter how interesting or good they were at a single point in time, they eventually, like, have to become a very repeatable, expectable thing for the people who, like, have gotten used to listening to that. Like, they become top 40 of whatever thing, whatever genre of music they're playing. Hmm. And I think that, like, top 40 of, like, alternative slash indie is like coin toss really boring music which is unfortunate but like that's kind of what people want i guess on average yeah, i think i think when something becomes i mean i don't listen to serious at all but i think just in general when something becomes so predictable it kind of loses like its flavor and so it's not necessarily that the music is bad, but just because it's so predictable and you're maybe listening to it so that you listen to new things or that you don't know what you're listening to. Like, I feel like the whole point of radio, uh, okay, never mind. The whole point of radio is definitely not to be unpredictable. But my, when I enjoy radio, I want it to be unpredictable. I don't want to choose what I'm listening to. So when yeah. that, it becomes predictable, then it's kind of boring. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I agree with that. Huh. Um, Excited. I listening to some country music. Yeah, dude. See if the documentary is available on on um, 
your PBS affiliate. I don't know what the Houston one is. Yeah, I got a good. I got a, We have a good one here in Philadelphia. W H Y Y. That's pretty funny. Uh, Carla Del Forno has a has a radio station. Yeah, dude. Like so many people do on That's NPR. Sick. You should. I listen to that. Out. It's a good quarantine because you can just, like, listen to a ton of stuff and then be like, oh, okay. well, this is this is cool too. This is like a cool application of what we were talking about a couple weeks ago, like listening yeah. to the music your artists like to explore that like of your own in like a exactly. outward well, direction. I think it also kind of speaks to how like I don't know. I I have trouble understanding the like canon. I guess would be a good way of saying it of, of the different types of music that I like. Um, whereas kind of before, I think I, when I started listening to music more seriously in like high school, it was, um, I, was, I, I kind of went to, you know, like the needle drop and like, I looked at some like generic lists online that like look up like, you know, like best rock albums or whatever. I'd be like, like how I understand music to be, but I realize that that's like, I don't think that's very tenable. Um, and I think that listening to interviews with with artists that I like is like very important. It's it's cool, a cool way to see what they what they like and what got them started, and then build up your own kind of idea in your head about what what you like in music. Because it's really easy to do with movies, where you basically say like. Like, oh, what directors is this person compared to in reviews? Oh, I'm going to go watch those directors. And yeah. you're like, okay, I understand different parts of, of film. But it's kind of, it's a lot harder to do with music, in my opinion. It's so vast. Yeah. It's cause, well, because, like, anyone can put out music, too. And, like, we could, like, we're putting stuff on Spotify. Like, come on. <laughs> we're a couple clowns. Yeah. <laughs> so that is cool. Um what are you guys up to for the rest of the night? Let's uh let's do a nice little update for the uh the Henning household. No, you go for it. Okay, okay. We're we're doing a movie night tonight actually. I don't even I don't know if we've picked the movie. So if anybody wants to recommend a movie, what are you gonna I'm watch? Am I gonna watch? What oh, are you gonna watch? Uh, like I don't know. We we have, I mean, we have Netflix. We can buy a movie, or sorry, we can rent a movie on like Amazon Prime. Like all the options are available. Hulu, even. You're gonna sp- if you're anything like me, you're gonna spend like thirty minutes trying to find a movie and just give up and watch like a TV show. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think I like you because I'll just watch any movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it's with I my parents, I'm not gonna just pick a random thing. But usually, I'll I'll try to get someone to recommend a movie, and then I'll just trust them, and then I'll then I'll do it. And since we have four people that are going to be watching the movie, hopefully we'll, someone gets a recommendation and we can go off that. But I'm curious, <laughs> curious any movies that you guys 
recommend that aren't any of the ones that we've talked about on this show before. <laughs> or they, they well, could no. also be. I, I recently watched Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Um, I think that's a really good movie. Yeah, it's a uh, it's definitely pushing the line for family movie just because it's a little bit like it's very emotional. <laughs> so, I uh, yeah, I would I would agree that I, I hesitate on on recommending it because it's like not really. I wouldn't watch it with my parents, but it doesn't necessarily mean that no one should watch it with their parents. Well, kind well, of like why why wouldn't like, you watch it with your parents? I feel like I'm comfortable watching almost anything with mine. It's a slow, beautiful, like, 17th century lesbian romance movie. Okay. Which, I don't know what your parents are into. Uh, (laughs) My parents are into lesbian romance. (laughs) Yeah. Then that's perfect. It's on Hulu. (laughs) (laughs) The Social Network, always my right. Oh, yeah. I love The Social Network, and it's just got put on Netflix. Oh, really? I actually don't think I've ever seen that movie. I'm sure my parents have, though, so I don't know if that will work. Evil Dead is also on Netflix. It's very fun. If you want, like, a like a slasher. Not a slasher, just kind of like a campy horror movie that's, like, actually pretty well done. Evil Dead? Yeah. Also, uh, Tremors. That sounds kind of high. Fun, fun I've, seen, I've seen Tremors. <laughs> I watched it when I was I wa- I don't know if it was good or not. I just remember I watched it when I was young and I just thought because it was an old movie it was just bad. I don't know if it's supposed like is it good? Yeah, I think I it's like it being great great cinema, you know. You know, like wow, <laughs> tremors. <laughs> I don't know, dude. Watch a deeply unsettling <laughs> horror movie. I think the movie Hereditary is really good. Wait, I actually still haven't watched that one. And I know Diego wants to watch that i don't know if he's seen it yet so maybe maybe that'll be the pick for tonight it's like pleasingly unsettling it's a really scary movie yeah i'm a fan of scary movies though i'm a recent fan it took me like there's a large part of my life i thought i didn't like spicy food and i didn't like scary movies and like recently i realized i was wrong on both (laughs) those accounts horror movies much of go ahead connor horror movies are so are so interesting because there's like such a vast there's such a vast range of the types of horror movies like like especially now you have people doing like high camp like genre like like super just over the top versions of like the 70s and 80s ones that still get made you have blockbusters where you have like sinister and insidious and the conjuring which are all great um but they're a very specific type. And then you have like the like art house horror movies. You have like, you know, Ari Aster's stuff. Um, speaking of Midsommar, also on Amazon. You can watch that. I don't know if I would watch oh. that one, honestly. It's quite long and really graphic um, in parts. But there's like, and you know, Jordan Peele is making kind of the mix between art house and, um, and like, like wide mass market um, appealing stuff. So there's a there's like a reliable and important history of movies that still kind of rule and then there's like new ones that are taking all of the tropes that were developed over like 40 50 years of horror filmmaking and like making them new 
And you have that with all the different types of horror movies. So you have like monster movies, you have um, the ones that are about ghosts, you have vampires, you know, different types of, um, of stuff like that. And then you also have ones that are just like very psychological human drama and like, like social commentary, which is something that you don't get with a lot of, a lot of genres kind of have, aren't necessarily as stratified and as broad, I think as horror and broadly likable, at least for me. So <laughs> broadly likable for me, baby. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> you know, if you for a lighthearted movie, the pacifier, um, also on. Oh. <laughs> Dude, that was a good movie back in the day. <laughs> Indeed. Um, that, was my, both I think that was my first diesel movie of all time. I still stand both unfriended movies. Um, Aragon. The biggest disappointment of a movie. Oh, that's um, that book wasn't actually that good. Hey. But <laughs> dude was like 14 when he wrote it. Of course it was bad. No, no, I know. <laughs> I, like, I, I don't have anything against it for being bad because I think that like publishing a novel by a 14 year old is a stretch but like i I've, I've run into a couple of my friends like glorifying how good that book was and i've had to play the like really? realist role yeah it, aragon was written by a 14 year old yeah yeah he was real yeah. young i think he might have been such a gimmick christopher paolini yeah it was a i, f- I feel like he it was, was like a gimmick. Or something, but still he was really young weren't his parents authors though i feel like the whole thing kind of felt a little he was raised in montana no i don't think his parents are authors maybe i made that up he still lives in montana for him good for him It was found by Carl Hyacin, the guy who made, um, what books did he make? He made Hoot. He's the Hoot guy. I like, I like guys? those books. They're kind of goofy, though. Oh, really? Alien, Aliens, Alien Resurrection, and Alien 3 are um, on HBO as well. Just if you're looking for some alien content. Also, technically horror. I'm um I'm gonna give in and watch Tiger King tonight, so I'll let you guys know. Oh yeah. Have any, have any of you guys watched? None. I'm not either. Yeah. There's a lot of discourse on Twitter about it, but I know, dude. It like suddenly it's so weird how a Netflix Netflix still has the power to just create like a cultural moment. Yeah. With like Cardi B tweeting about it, yeah, yeah. It's like everyone. That's what all everyone's talking about. All right, shall we end? End it. Probably should end it. Yeah, let's let's, right. let's tie this one up. We'll be back next week. Goodbye, music boys, listeners. Bye, music boys. <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs>